0: my friends to the show that never ends i'm glad you could attend come inside come inside come inside right now you are listening to let's talk hemp and the 422 i am your host morris beagle welcome to the show Hello, hello from the 422, where every day is Earth Day. As we move further into Season 2, this is the 27th episode of Let's Talk Hemp in the 422, and this time we hop across the Colorado border to our neighbor friends in Nebraska. We'll call this episode from Corn Huskers to Hemp Huskers, and today we have the pleasure of bringing Andrew Bish from Bish Enterprises and Hemp Harvest Works onto the show. We'll talk hemp equipment and the new Nebraska hemp legislation that recently passed. By the time this airs, it will probably be the week of the fourth annual Hemp on the Slope taking place Saturday, July 20th in Colburn, Colorado, about 45 minutes outside of Grand Junction. Come join us at the beautiful 200-acre Salt Creek Ranch and enjoy a down-home community event and festival with 30-plus exhibitors, hemp education and panels throughout the day, as well as equipment demonstrations and live music. We've got good friend and hemp evangelist Doug Fine coming in from New Mexico, along with another 15-plus hemp farmers, processors, entrepreneurs, and advocates sharing their insight and experience. This year's presenting sponsor is Colorado Hemp Project, one of the leading farm contractors and genetics providers in the country. For more information, visit HempOnTheSlope.com, and we hope to see you at the show. On that note, let's get Rick Trojan and Andrew Bish on the line and have ourselves a little Cornhusker Hemp Chat. Welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp in the 422, and this week on the show, we welcome Andrew Bish of Bish Enterprises and founder of Hemp Harvest Works, and Andrew is based out of Giltner, Nebraska, which stakes claim to the number one drug checkpoint in the USA. Congratulations, Giltner, and welcome, Andrew.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And let's get into it a little bit more since we're on there. So that's
2: the number one drug checkpoint by way of value of drugs seized right, of any other facility. But it also has an awesome run that you guys have every year there in Giltner. And it has one of the best slogans I think I've heard. Kind of takes me back to my dare days in in school. Uh, And Andrew, what's that slogan?
1: The slogan was, run for your life, not from the cops.
2: (laughs) That's a good campaign. It's catchy. Speaking of catchy, we have some new laws that were passed in the state of Nebraska, one of the first states that has allowed for hemp planting in 2014 Farm Bill. Nebraska just signed, the governor just signed on May 31st of 2019, LB 657, which is the Nebraska Hemp Farming Act and Change Provisions Relating to the Industrial Hemp Pilot Program. So that is the new law of the land there in the great state of Nebraska, the Cornhusker State. Tell us about this new law.
1: You know, this is something that's been in progress for a long time now, and this year we finally got a bill passed that's basically going to allow farmers to grow hemp. We managed to decriminalize hemp this year and align our law with the federal code, so that's one part of the bill, and then the rest of the bill is basically an outline for farmers to be able to grow hemp, and it provides a program and and guidelines uh, for that. Unfortunately, where we are now is waiting on the department to actually issue applications, so that we can take advantage of of the the bill that we got passed here.
0: Didn't you just plant some hemp yourself? weren't you the first <laughs> guys you and your brother to plant hemp in Nebraska?
1: Yeah, we did. So. When when this bill was drafted, one of the one of the things that that we wanted to be conscious of is that Nebraska has a lot of native hemp. There, there's just hemp growing everywhere. Hemp is no stranger to Nebraskans, despite the fact that we haven't been able to grow it while other states have been. It's been growing probably in more acres than in any other state. Anyway, so one of the things that we put in the bill was a provision that exempted what we called Nebraska heirloom hemp, which would be plants with the characteristics of, of Nebraska genetics. And that would make it so if a farmer, for instance, was growing hemp on his land and a Department of Agriculture person showed up, they wouldn't get cited for noncompliance of the Nebraska Hemp Act because it's, it's a wild-growing plant. So... Knowing that that we've been trying to get hemp in the ground for farmers this year and, and watching the governor continue to dig his heels in and, and, and not take advantage of, of the, the bill that we passed, we decided to take advantage of that provision because we did have some access to Nebraska heirloom hemp. So we put that heirloom hemp into the ground and planted on, uh, about 300 plants this year just to get the ball rolling here in Nebraska and, and show that this can be done. And, and more importantly, that this, this will be done.
0: Do you have any idea what the THC level is in this heirloom hemp, feral hemp that's growing in Nebraska?
1: Yeah, we actually did a cannabinoid profile on it. You know, one of the disadvantages we had was we, we were working with some material that was available uh, after it had been seeded. So we weren't, weren't working with some great flower material from from big female plants by any means. But we did send that off to a lab, Pro Verde, and, and they did a, a great job of getting us some results. And, and we were at 0.05 is, is where we the, the material that we sent in uh, came out from the initial test.
2: Which makes sense because general heirloom seeds, as you put it right, have the characteristics of Nebraska genetics, I, they would have very, very low THC because that's not what they were used for, right? So the seeding of those plants would prevent the growth of the uh, proliferation of those cannabinoids in general. So that just totally makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what, one of our objectives this year is actually to get a female plant and then send that material in to see what that looks like.
2: So when you talk about the governor digging in uh, their heels, elaborate on that a little bit further for our audience.
1: Well, we've had a governor that, that publicly states that he supports hemp, but it has been consistently uh, been the person that's, that's keeping it from, from getting grown. So when you look at going into the bill initially, we had a pretty clean bill, pretty pretty easy, straightforward bill that that we put out there about eight pages long. We're into 34 pages now with negotiations with the Department of Agriculture, the Attorney General, and the governor's office. And, and all of those negotiations have continued to raise the cost of the bill. And then those are the same parties that point back that there's not the funding to support the bills. It's really quite a ridiculous situation that they, they created to try to keep this plant from growing. A very interesting thing, you know, my brother, my brother and I have been working uh, on this legislation for the past couple years, and we're not the first people. There's been people doing this uh, for, for many years before us here in Nebraska that have, have not been successful. But this year, had the Husker football game, the Red and White game, uh, the scrimmage game that we play every year, it's a really big deal. It gets about eighty thousand attendees. The governor's people put out a a flyer that said basically, "Big marijuana is behind hemp," and LB six fifty seven. And it's just very frustrating when in public, uh, you've got somebody saying that they're they're supportive of this, and then that they're working so hard behind the scenes to to stop it. And and now that we finally got the bill passed, we had an emergency clause enacted so the governor could have signed that bill and gotten hemp in the ground almost immediately. But the governor took all five days that he had, even up to the last hour of the last day, to sign the bill. And now that we've signed the bill, we're currently stuck in negotiations with the state patrol as they're trying to identify whether or not they have adequate testing facilities available to them to test for thc because they believe that they're going to have so many samples uh, again just uh the most ridiculous arguments that they continue to make
2: yeah and it just it just goes to show it really does i think you the nail on the head it really does go to just stalling the growth of the industry i mean nebraska is one of the first states to come on board they only had an acre or so of, of hemp even growing for the last few years not many acres at all really they haven't um and then they come in and try to stifle it further and i think I think it's exciting, though, is that you did were able to uh, create a legal framework in which you are able to grow hemp, and other Nebraska farmers are able to grow hemp with this heirloom exception or exemption. Um, I think that's fantastic, and they can get involved before the department of, departments issues any licenses or anything that can be done immediately there in Nebraska. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, again, there's really nothing stopping uh, anything from happening. I, I think I might have missed your question. What What was your question, Rick?
2: My question was, I guess the point I was trying to raise was that the Nebraska heirlooms uh, genetics, that, mm-hmm. that exception that you created. So that allows you as a Nebraska farmer or any other Nebraska farmer with heirloom genetics to plant hemp to continue growing hemp on their land while you're waiting for the department to create regulations. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If for some reason you happen to have uh, heirloom hemp from last season, you could theoretically put it down. As long as you don't, it doesn't enter the commercial space. Uh, that That's the exemption. It's not for commercial purposes. So if you're going to use it on your own property, um, the, er, the original idea was uh, twofold. One, to protect the, the grower that was going to have it anyway. But also, we have a, a lar- large areas of land in western Western Nebraska, that it it could propagate their own seed and and feed cattle with it, It, it'd really be an exciting opportunity for some of those guys out there with uh, uh, all the water restrictions that they have.
0: Nice. I think that's fantastic. So, what about all these probably thousands of acres of feral hemp that are growing all over Nebraska? Is it possible for those that that stuff is growing on their land to come in and harvest that and, and utilize any of that material or not?
1: Well, you know that's that that's a good question. A, a, the the federal government says that the states have the power to control the cultivation and and processing of hemp. So nobody's really touched this area of feral or heirloom hemp, and and whether or not you have the ability to harvest it. I, I think when you look at uh, do you have the ability to possess it? The federal law is clear. You have the, possess, the ability to possess those seeds, to possess that plant material. And, and it's my opinion that if you are doing it on your own property, there is no legitimate claim the government has over you as to wh- whether or not you can grow a plant that is native that currently uh, is, a- again, exempt from this uh, practice. So I, I don't think that the, that there would be a reason why you, why you could not or, or should not.
0: Well, we'll see where it goes. I mean, you've already got thousands of acres that are growing wild in Nebraska, just like there is in Iowa or Kansas. So, with all that wild, feral hemp growing, to me, there seems that there would be a way to to harvest that, get the seeds, utilize the fiber material. Potentially, you've got John Lupian out there with Bascor that could be running fiber samples on a lot of that. Yeah, I think that there's a for trying to do some of that
1: yeah absolutely and you know what i do know there's people around the state actually that have been doing it for years there's a gentleman out by carney nebraska that's got about 20 acres of feral hemp that he's been propagating year after year after year uh, and just just leaves it wild and and it just continues to, to grow in the area as, as a result of that. Uh, and I do think we need to harness that because, again, there's a tremendous opportunity there. Uh, and when you look at some of the current cost of, of genetics that are out there, that that's one of the stifling factors in the industry right now. It's not really a, an issue when it comes to the grain or fiber production. Those genetics are, are relatively inexpensive. But obviously, we're, we're all aware that when you walk into some of the higher CBD varieties, which when we look at the Nebraska heirloom plant, there, there were some interesting traits in the cannabinoid profile uh, relative to the variety of cannabinoids as well as uh, the terpene profile. So if we expand that out, there may actually be some, uh, some good qualities there from a medicinal value that have been overlooked. Such as what? Can you talk about those? Actually, uh, you know, I, I bring that up, and then I don't have any documentation to talk about <laughs> terpenes or cannabinoids. And 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 to be honest, that that, that subject, uh, I just learned about cannabinoids, you know, four years ago. So I'm not, I'm, I'm still not very versed on on, on what this is from a science perspective. I continue to try to learn, but uh, I should have brought my brother with me to to discuss that. I apologize.
2: Yeah, no, no worries. I mean, just obviously, we can we can talk about that offline a little too. But I just I just wonder what those traits were. What you know, obviously, it has interesting traits for every local area, but I didn't know what they specifically were for Nebraska. So, the
1: well, most yeah. unique thing that came out of it, actually, though, was. Uh, we elemental test, and due to the high chemical concentrations, when you look at uh, all the spraying that we do, all the chemicals we put, uh, the the heavy metals were off the chart. This plant failed on on, on multiple levels, uh, in, with multiple heavy metal tests. So that that was one thing that I I found very very interesting.
2: Well, I think yeah, that's a good opportunity, right, to utilize to your point, uh, and, and your point, Morris, as well, utilize the feral hemp, right, or the heirloom hemp over this next year, however much you can get in the ground, to start sucking up some of the, the, those toxic uh, heavy metals, right? So we know we know it's a bioaccumulator and it can pull up a lot of heavy metals and, and bad stuff and keep it within the stock portion. You can still utilize the grain, but I think maybe that's an option for the state to really help, for real, clean out its soil
0: and clean itself out of the toxins that are, that are all over the place. That's interesting. How much organic land do you have in Nebraska? Or is it all conventional?
1: I would say mo- most of the farmed ground is going to be conventional. There, there's a lot of land that's uh, set aside that's fallow that could be certified as organic. If farmers wanted to do that, there, there's there's land practices around here where they leave land fallow and the government pays them for a certain number of years. And, and so there's a, there's actually a lot of fallow land that could be certified as organic, but most of it's not currently being farmed. The, the big farm acres are all non-organic.
2: Which I much prefer to conventional. Non-organic is a better way to say it and actually is a truer way of saying it. Yeah, I think a lot of opportunity on that side for Nebraska, for sure, with with uh, cultivation of the heirloom.
1: It's really exciting just to see where Nebraska is going to go with this. Just getting this bill passed. I've talked to a lot of people that are now interested in investing in Nebraska, which is what's going to drive the production that we're going to have here. But you know, different from other states, the, this feral hemp has, has a, a, a negative aspect uh, when you look at if you're going to grow high CBD varieties, you definitely have a, a major concern that you don't necessarily have in some other states. So th- there's definitely going to be some challenges and I'm, I'm going to probably be intrigued as, as Nebraska continues to move forward and, and finds itself in the hemp industry and, and what, where it takes its place.
2: And so what you're talking about, just to clarify, the feral hemp, uh, the consideration was such uh, proliferation of feral hemp, right, or heirloom hemp, it, throughout the state of Nebraska that's been growing there for decades, that has the potential, if you're growing for cannabinoids, let's say next year, for high CBD, that feral hemp has a greater propensity to pollinate that cannabinoid crop and, and decrease the production of cannabinoids and therefore decrease the value of your crop,
1: Correct. Correct. It's going to have that. That would be one concern. And then from a propagation standpoint, if companies are looking to come into Nebraska and do seed propagation, that would be a concern there for breeding. Gotcha.
0: Yep. Well, you guys should become the leading fiber state that there is. How about that?
1: Well, I'm on board with you there, Morris. I, I, I could not uh, enjoy more if we saw some grain and, and fiber being produced. I, I'm really interested in that. You know, I, I heard something. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day that, that told me John Lupien's company actually moved to Alabama out of Nebraska, and John was uh, starting to do something on his own. So maybe maybe there's an opportunity for us to do something bigger in Nebraska.
2: Yeah, no, I think the beauty of this industry is is it's all fluid, and even when it looks solid, it can change overnight still, right? So we're seeing that in a lot of aspects, but
1: potential good opportunity for you guys. Have you been in that facility before? No, I've just seen pictures of it. Uh, uh, I was going to go in with John one time, but his board of directors didn't want me to visit, so I never got the opportunity.
2: Uh, yeah, we went there with the road trip. I think it was two or three uh, right when they were getting all their equipment put in there. So that was 2016, I think. Fall of 16, maybe. Somewhere around there. So they hadn't got everything up and running yet. So I haven't really seen it up running.
1: Yeah, but you know, I've talked to a few other uh, people around the state that are very interested in getting fiber processing plants going. Uh, there's several people in... Grand Island, actually, that are very, very interested in doing just that. And then I've talked to a few people about uh, pressing for oil. So there's definitely some interest from some people around the state to move towards those commodities.
0: That sounds good. Hey, why don't we uh, move into kind of what BISH is doing right now, hemp harvest work and your equipment development I know when uh you were out at noco, you introduced some new equipment with pure hemp technology and you have some other things in development. Can you elaborate on where things are at with all that
1: I'd love to tell you that we're that we're complete with all of it and everything's uh working bait but uh we're we're still doing some final tests on the machine that we're working on with pure hemp we're trying to dial in some speeds to make sure that we're getting the right results there but we're really excited about this machine that's going to separate the flour from the stock and separate some of the seed out of there uh, so that when you go into extraction you've got a much cleaner product to work with so that's really what the what the item does and it's going to do it in uh, you know about 3,500 to 4,500 pounds per day in terms of output material from a flower perspective so when we when we look at where we were just a year ago a lot of people are still hand harvesting. Uh, there was no mechanized equipment. And now we're actually looking at having something that we can do to strip that flower. Now we're still, with this particular machine, we're still doing it uh, on a dry basis. So we're below 20% moisture, ideally around 13% moisture to get the best results is, is typically what we're seeing. So we've got some room to work to get to uh, a wet stripping model. And that's something that we're continuing to work towards, but not something we're going to have this season.
2: Andrew, what's the advantage? Let's explain to the audience what the advantage of the wet stripping model
1: is. Well, if you can go into a wet stripping model, then your drying capacity is reduced quite a bit. Uh, The stock is one of the heaviest carriers of, of the water, actually, more so than the flour most of the time. So just having all of that stock material in with the plant, you know, if you do the whole plant, you've got a large plant with a lot of stock to dry down. That's a problem. Let's say you chop it up. Well, now you've got a lot of chopped up material with a lot of stock, and that's kind of a problem. So if you can get that flower away from the stock before you even go into the drying uh, situation, you, you've you got a, a product that's essentially going to dry down much more rapidly have less capacity that you're going to have to have from a drying uh, system, and you'll probably end up with a more salvageable product if you start to grow in, go into large acreages because you can move that product through and not, not worry about the, the mold or product degradation near as bad.
2: I didn't realize that 80 percent of the water or 78 percent of the water was was uh contained in the stock but that actually makes sense and why it's so heavy
1: yeah and it just um, uh right. it, it's a lot harder to get it out of the stock too than the flour. that's that's the other challenge with it because of just the way the stock's designed to hold the water in so it's it's definitely a problem
2: anything new you got coming out i know you're gonna you guys are gonna be southern habecto coming up here in nashville
1: yeah so In addition to that machine, uh, we've been working on some uh, multi-row technology for whole plant and uh, also going into forage harvesters. So we've got a couple different header options that we're trying to get finalized uh, for some customers this season that we'll put into larger scale production next year. Uh, In addition to that, we started carrying some drying equipment. So we do have dryers that we can provide to people. We've got just uh, on our Hemp Harvest Works website, we've really been trying to add a full line of product uh, for solutions for people. We've got a variety of different uh, product lines from transplanters, from multiple different companies. So we're, we're trying to provide the, the best products we can find in the marketplace that we don't produce ourselves. And some of that new equipment, the drying specifically, is something that's new to us. We've also got a new technology that we're working out with a company in Iowa to put out there, they can do spot treatments in a field. So, if, if you're using some of our satellite imaging services, you can actually take a drone out to a spot in the field that's got an issue, observe what's going on, and then provide a possible solution. Uh, ideally, with hemp, a, a non chemical solution, but it, it's a way to easily get to uh, a small area and, and not have to spend the money of going through the, f- the whole field to make changes to the field
0: the drone technology margaret was telling me about that that you might be bringing that to Hemp on the slope here in a couple of weeks and have a demo on that is that correct
1: yeah that's our plan i'm really excited about that to be able to demo that to customers and go out and just show people where, where technology is, is is going in agriculture
0: well there's a lot of technology that's coming into agriculture it seems like every day i'm reading something new and a lot of this new technology, I think, is going to implement right into the hemp industry, and hopefully take this crop from zero to 150 in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, you know that that's another thing that when you look at the financing, uh, we offer financing for for hemp equipment. But it, it, if you look and see how we finally uh, get to the point where we can do banking in this industry, we we've we've grown this industry. People have grown this industry without being a- allowed access to banks. Uh, so imagine what we're going to be able to do once that wall gets broken through.
2: Well, that and the government getting out of our way, the rest of it, as Morris and I talked about today earlier, I think will definitely help But I think absolutely having having banking and access to banking, but I want to also send you a shout out and tell all of our, all of our audience that you were one of the uh, main companies to support the HIA's Hempislegal.org campaign, which is essentially we put up an advertisement in TensorFlow. Actually, why don't you tell everyone about it, Andrew? And thank you for promoting and, and helping uh, to support the industry on this issue.
1: Yeah, I I definitely was excited to participate in this uh, for a couple reasons. I I see so many people that we work with that that use Facebook for advertising and continuously have issues and and aren't able to market effectively through those means. And it's not like there's a competing service that they can go to. So it's a frustrating situation when you see that censorship. So being able to step in and help some of our own friends is always something that I'm interested in doing. Uh, Helping the industry is always intriguing to me. And also, I hate Facebook in so many ways. So... Any chance I can to uh, put something out there about what Facebook is doing to people, I, I'm more than happy to do that. But go to HempIsLegal.org to find out more about the program. It's really exciting. Uh, we're, we're just trying to make people aware of what's going on and how the social media companies are actually censoring America, and, and they're doing it in a way that that's not benefiting the public.
2: Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. At Facebook, as Morris can attest to, I'm sure. Uh, after I get my little spot here, I think Morris had a lot more issues with all the WAFPA brands being shut out of Facebook. I've been out of Facebook for three years now. Uh, with the hemp road trip, we've had the same twelve thousand nine hundred and thirty followers since you know for two and a half years. So uh, it's not very effective for us much anymore. And I think, unfortunately, it's, it went one night from being a CBD, and specifically went one night from being an illegal drug until on December 21st, after the law was passed, uh, it was now a prescription-only drug. So things literally changed overnight, and it causes it's causing a lot of consternation for those people that want to utilize that medium.
0: So I've been blocked out of advertising and boosting posts on Facebook since 2015, when I initially posted a hemp-printed Declaration of Independence from Tree-Free Hemp and promoting hemp paper and the Declaration of Independence here in the United States, and all of a sudden Facebook flags me. And since then, and fighting back with them, we've had all of our accounts blocked. I've been flagged on all of our accounts. We haven't been able to advertise or boost. And every other admin that I've brought into the situation and do a workaround, we have a little success and then they get flagged. And and for the last two years, we haven't been able to do anything with any workarounds. So... As I like to say, hashtag Facebook, go fuck yourself. And I'll well, just. Well,
1: I'll agree with that, Morris. I'll, I'll second you on that.
0: Uh, I think all of us that have
2: experienced issues with Facebook is uh, feels the same pain and has the same. I mean, just we just need, they need to
0: learn learn the proper policies because this is ridiculous. Evo hemp and lots of other companies have been flagged that are just selling regular hemp products. Hemp traders, on and on and on.
2: Well, I know Hemptations, they've at Beach at Hemptations in Ohio. He has four stores selling, uh, has been selling hemp products, clothing and dog bones and stuff for 23 years now. He lost his merchant services account in February, right? So it's still happened on the financial issue as well. So uh, which will be the next phase of the HIA campaign, I believe, is getting, going after the, the banking and merchant services. But really just helping people understand that this plant is legal in a big way by having the advertisement in Times Square, and all the rest of the supporting material and, uh, and efforts behind the campaign. So thank you, sir, for being a big
0: part of that, and thank Fish Enterprises. So,
1: Oh, thank you, Rick.
0: Hi, right, Morris, want to take us out? Thanks, Andrew, for coming on the show. Uh, it was good to see you in Albany, sit on the panel and talk hemp with what Preston Whitfield, Larry Serbin. And it was good to see you then, and I can't wait to hang out with you here at Hemp on the Slope here coming up. In, well, we're recording, what, on June 18th? We'll see when this thing... Coming up can. this
2: summer. Yeah, coming up this summer. So that'll be big. And hey, man, it was, it was great to get to hang out with you, uh, and Josh and Joey and, and Mike Perry and all of the fighters in the industry for a while. It was good to all hang out and, and share a meal uh, that last night. So uh, appreciate it. And then doing some karaoke, so or at least listening to some karaoke. So uh, it was good. <laughs> Were you up there singing? I did. I did. And I actually dropped the mic uh, during Carla's. I was support for um, her song. And then I was support for my own song, and then I dropped the mic again, and the lady got mad. But I was twisting it around and trying to be all cute on stage instead of just bringing my voice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was fun. It was a great night. It was really, really good to just hang out and go to spend. It was the last night of the conference, so we we could let loose a little bit and just go enjoy a little bit of New Orleans and see all the really good jazz and stuff. So it was cool.
1: Yeah, it that was that was quite the city. I came back and my eyeballs hurt. I, I just. <laughs> It was, it was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. And yeah, thank, thank you guys for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate being able to talk to you both. For sure,
2: bud. Appreciate the information and keep fighting the good fight in Nebraska and send us some pictures due to those, uh, those plants when they come up.
1: Actually, they came up today and I will send you a picture as soon as we get off the call.
2: Sweet. We'll put those on. So everyone listening, we'll put those on the episode uh, artwork so you can see what the plants look like in Nebraska. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Yay. Go Nebraska. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, Bye. bud. Have a good day. We'll see ya. This episode of The 422 is underwritten by The Hemp Road Trip and events.org. Visit www.HempEvents.org for the best filtered listing of hemp-related events in the United States and abroad. All right. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk Hemp and The 422. Thanks to Andrew Bish from Bish Enterprises for joining us today. What do you think, Rick? Pretty good conversation.
2: Yeah, great conversation. He's uh, doing a lot. He comes, you know, comes from an engineering and uh, mechanical background. So there's that now coupled with hemp. I think as we'll see moving forward, a lot of these bigger industries, a lot of these older or more traditional industries are starting to move into the hemp space. So I think it's fantastic. And it's interesting how that bill develops, though, in Nebraska. It got crazy. He said they still had campaigning. 80,000 person in football game was still campaigning and scaring that big marijuana was behind hemp. So there's still those scare tactics needed, uh, which is fine for them to say, right, which isn't true in Kansas, at least as far as as I know. But you had some of that, which is obviously their First Amendment right to say that, even though it's incorrect. But you've recently had some personal issues and professional issues with your freedom of speech. Uh, Mo, let's get into that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the Facebook situation and the Instagram situation, social media situation with these big companies that are limiting our speech and not allowing us to talk about hemp or cannabis and hemp being federally legal. I mean that's codified now in law, Trump's signature, Congress's intention. Hemp is legal, correct?
2: Correct. I mean that yep, absolutely. December twentieth, two thousand nineteen.
0: With the issues that we've, many of us have had on Facebook, there's other issues that we have with credit card processing and other entities out there that are seeming to discriminate against hemp still and tying it into marijuana and cannabis and everything else when there's a clear distinction, even though it is all cannabis. But here's what just happened to me that happened to WAPA. We are for better alternatives. And our entire umbrella of companies, there is a service that we've been using, ReleaseWire.com. It's a press release service, and there's several press release services out there, PR Newswire, a whole bunch of them. And we've been doing press releases through ReleaseWire since 2015, and we've done dozens and dozens of dozens of press releases. And I just got a message here in the last couple of days. And I just actually got into it and start, I started to get all these notifications of your press release is being rejected. And there's a message from the editorial department that you have to acknowledge. And so I went in here and here's I'm going to read it. Here's one of the things. After an extensive review of your press release by our editorial team, we determined that you would need to edit your press release before we can approve it. We base this decision on the following reasons. Marijuana, cannabis, CBD, hemp, and related products. Due to restrictions placed on release wire by our credit card processing provider, we are not able to allow press releases, company profiles, or related content that discusses marijuana, cannabis, CBD, hemp, and related products. To learn more about this policy, please visit our blog post located at blog, blah, blah. blah and it basically just reiterates this if at such time we are able to resolve this issue with our credit card processor we will try to reactivate your press release so this notice was actually to a press release that we released in 2017 and and you're getting a notification I, now i so All these press releases have come out. And what is happening, because they are still active in their system, I am getting an email notification that all of these press releases are now being rejected and pulled off of the system unless I would edit them so they did not discuss marijuana, cannabis, CBD, hemp and related products, although hemp and CBD are absolutely 100% legal federally and throughout the United States. We've got we've got a press release, a news agency that is now not allowing businesses such as myself that's in the hemp industry to be able to put out any sort of messaging because their credit card processor said it's a violation and they could shut them down. What do you think of that, Rick? Uh,
2: I think that's absolutely a violation of your First Amendment uh, freedom of speech rights for sure. I think that it is absolutely incorrect of the credit card companies to claim that these items are illegal and don't want to process money through their accounts, uh, through the same processing and, and merchant accounts that have been used uh, for the last five or six or 10 or 12 more years in this space. So I think it's uh, it's just, again, another way to slow the development of the industry is by messing around with banks. I mean, they, they shut down a bank of a buddy of mine at Hemptations. He's had four stores in Ohio that sell clothing, hemp clothing and other things, you know, nothing, nothing flour, nothing illegal. And he had his merchant processing shut down and his bank shut down in February. So th- this, this kind of stuff is just another tool in the shed to just slow things down and, and cause confusion and, and prevent the industry from growing at the rate that other countries like uh, China and uh, the European Union like, uh, are experiencing tremendous growth. Uh, From this, uh, we're still messing around with uh, government
0: interference. Here, we passed the the farm bill, and since the farm bill is passed, it's even becoming worse for people in the hemp industry with regards to banking and processing. And you know, we still have law enforcement out there arresting people.
2: It it reminds me of that movie. Do you ever see that movie, The Big Short? I think Paul Giamatti was in it, but essentially, it was about the collapse uh, in two thousand eight, right? The financial collapse, or whatever they want to call it. So that stated that the guys that shorted it had, at the very, very end, everything went to shit and everything was done. At the very end, the market did exactly the opposite of what they expected to do. They expected to crash out and they did the exact opposite. It was, it was artificially pumped up. And so these guys had to, had to cover their margin. And so uh, that was the whole thing. At the very end, it went exactly the opposite of what you would expect. So I just find that interesting that uh, that same type of – manipulation is occurring now but on the, on the on the on the cannabis side
0: well anyway that's a new thing in my world is having release wire our press release service fortunately i've got two other publicists that are sending stuff out through a variety of other services this is just a, a secondary service at this point in time i really be pissed off at release wire but to me they're a they're they're part of the problem because they're allowing this Correct. to happen and they're not standing the way they should but they're having pressure put on them by their credit card processor they said they reached out to other processors i did get communication from a guy from their editorial department i'm going to have further conversations with them i am going to push this the top of release wire and, and make a little bit of noise about the situation, because I think everybody needs to know about this. And I think it's time for the hemp industry really to to step up and say enough of the bullshit. Agreed. And thanks to AIA for launching the Hemp is Legal campaign with Facebook and for Bish Enterprises that we talked to Andy about this here coming up to, or back in the interview and Hoban Law Group and Bluebird, those guys stepping up to to sponsor that, Very and there's so. obviously a lot of momentum in the hemp industry. A lot of people behind trying to get Facebook and Instagram and these social media sites to to do what's right, and that's allow us to advertise and promote our business like anybody else.
2: But, dude, here's the reality, uh, and I'm just going to say it because it needs to be said. But that Hemp Road Trip Facebooks had the same twelve thousand nine hundred and sixty-three. I checked again today followers for like three years and like five tours across the country, I'm pretty sure we would have got one, at least one more follower right in that time. So we're kind of done with the Facebook, we're done with the manipulation, and then the whole CBD thing on December 21st when I went from an illegal drug to a pharmaceutical drug is just, again, a way to stifle our First Amendment rights to, to speak our mind and, and um, talk about what we want to talk about. So uh, it's just, it seems indicative now of the, of the new fight we're up to against, which is getting real information out there when you're getting muzzled by credit card companies over fear of a a plant that we've been consuming for hundreds of years. So it, it just, it baffles the mind, man, for real.
0: If any of our listeners out there would like to share some of their stories with us as to how your company's been affected, if you've been negatively affected by Facebook or any social media companies or anybody else, banks, whoever is kind of cock blocking you to to do your business here in the hemp industry please let us know reach out to the 422 at com, and we'd love to hear your feedback
2: absolutely and again let's we got we got to give a shout out to also submit uh anything any documentation or screenshots uh, emails um, from facebook or other platforms that are denying you exposure you can go to hemp is legal all one word hemp is it's a nonprofit. profit uh, set up with HIA uh, and we're doing marketing at Times Square. And it's just Facebook. Hemp is legal. So uh, we just need to allow a platform to continue our conversation. So both are good options and let's move forward as a group and and, and give them some feedback that we want to be able to have the, the same access as everyone else, as the cereal companies, as the food companies, the, the produce companies. So we want the same access. We're not asking for anything crazy.
0: Well, let's move back into talking about Bish Enterprises and Andrew, and kind of recap on all the great information he had to yeah, share. Yeah, and what
2: us. I thought was super cool was the the fact that they have you know a 300 plants of what they call Nebraska heirloom, which he says was characteristic of Nebraska genetics. And essentially, if it was growing on your land, you couldn't be cited for noncompliance as it's a wild growing plant. So they did they did a great job of creating a opportunity for current feral hemp to remain in the ecosystem, and that way there's the adaptation, uh, should be much different, right? It'll be a lot slower, I would suspect, but, uh, very, very cool interview with what he got going there and what he has, uh, with the certificate from Proverde, it was what point zero five percent rates of, uh, of, of, THC. So, uh, very, very small because it's local and feral. So the, the cannabinoids have kind of seeded out, if you will. Um, uh, but still good opportunities for hemp down
0: there. And let's see what else was kind of interesting about, the what he had to say with, with the regulation. I guess the governor there will publicly support it, but really on the backside of things has not been very supportive of the industry and has continued to to push back and push back. And finally, in 2019, they got something through, but I don't think that they're overly happy with all aspects of the legislation.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was interesting when you talk about, and we've touched base on this, uh, for some reason, need of the, the industry or the People to point us in the direction of overregulation. And again, I think we treat this product as the in-use if it's a dietary supplement or a pharmaceutical or a food. I mean, it's all of these things, and has been for you know decades, if not hundreds of years. Here, so I think really it just comes down to uh, we need to stop with the fear and just just have the same basic tests that uh, that we would require of anything else in that in that category, right? So one thing I thought was interesting, though, to, to switch gears is that they're working on a, a wet-stripping model for uh, harvesting, which I didn't realize that all the water was held in there and they have the drying requirements and all the reduction of you know the dryers and the energy, and that would really take care of and two-birds-with-one-stone kind of model. And that kind of new advances in technology is really, I think, going to launch this industry into, uh, into the stratosphere is, is that ability to process more effectively.
0: It's been great to see Bish step up and be a leader across the country, From an equipment manufacturing standpoint, a lot of the big boys have just been waiting in the wings, ready for the industry to grow up a little bit and get federally legal and and feel comfortable that the government's not going to come shut it down. And Bish took the initiative to get out there back in 2015, 2016, and and look at the market and see the problems that existed for planting and for harvesting and have really just committed a lot of time and energy and goodwill and patience and energy into making this industry what it should be, providing solutions. I'm really impressed with what those guys have done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like we said, taking old traditional technologies and applying them to this new cash crop, if you will, right, at the moment. So what else I thought was cool is he comes from Giltner, Nebraska, right, which he, which touts itself as the number one drug checkpoint in the USA, essentially saying they seize more drugs by, by value of drugs more than any other facility in America, right? I think that uh, that's an interesting thing to be excited about and also sounds like a pretty tough place to live.
0: Yeah, well, it would have been kind of cool to be able to like teleport myself from like 1991, 92 me into that drug seizure vault.
2: <laughs> that would not have, would you be a statistic?
0: Oh, I don't know. I would have potentially I would have had a good time in their drug vault back in 91 to 92,
2: 93. I mean, you're white, so that helps.
0: <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone to jail.
2: I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was – it doesn't seem to me to be as racist back then, or at least, you know what I mean, as, as it seems now. But maybe we're just hearing more of the stories. I don't know. But it just seems interesting if you compare it time over time. What I do think is actually interesting is their slogan, which I think is, is amazing. It's, it's uh, for a 5K run they do to raise money for to celebrate seizing drugs, I guess. And they say that the slogan is, run for your life, not from the cops. And I think that is uh, it's amazingly telling of the area and the and the um, and the excitement over law enforcement, if you will, <laughs> right? Or uh, yeah, messaging. I think message propaganda and messaging around law enforcement. Um, yes, is a better way to say it. Ma'am, uh, man, it was, it was a great interview, and it's. I mean, it was great. We Ran into him out in New Orleans this last trip uh, out there um, at a conference. Uh, MJ BizCon next. And they had a hemp conference as well upstairs at the convention center. So we ran into each other there and got to catch up a bit. And he told me about all the stuff that was happening with Nebraska and the heirloom and the law. And I was like, man, we got to, we got to bring attention to what's happening there and what he's doing. So I'm glad he, uh, he made time for us.
0: Good to hook up with Andrew out in Albany back first part of June at the U.S. hemp Expos conference, got to be on a panel with him and Preston Whitfield and, Larry Serban from Hemp Traders, and Colin from Victory, yep, Victory Hemp, yep. which I, had, I hadn't met Colin, but Chris was going to be there, and Chris couldn't couldn't make it, and I thought Chad was originally going to be there, but the Victory Hemp guys, those guys have got all kinds of super cool stuff going
2: on. Yeah, for sure. They're doing some really
0: cool stuff. I, I
2: really like what they're doing. In fact, we, yeah, we should definitely um, see about getting them on for a future episode, because they uh, they have a lot of cool stuff happening, and... Uh, and they've had a lot of transition in the last couple of years. They've they've moved locations. They've they've changed strategies. You know, not like a lot of uh, companies in the industry. You, you have to be fluid. You have to be adaptable. Even now, right? Probably more so now, uh, with all the confusion after the Farm Bill passed. So I love Victory Hemp. They're doing great things, and so and they have great hemp seed oil, which I love.
0: And they're doing great things with protein powder and and refining things down. And they're taking the science of the. The seed and the cake and the protein to a whole new level, further than anybody else has done it, which I find to be awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really cool. All right, anything else that we need to touch on today? Or are we going to just call this one good?
2: I think we're I think we're solid. I think we're solid with uh, the episode.
0: Well done, buddy. All right. Well, hey, we've got a we've got several guests that will be coming up here. We're going to start putting out these podcasts more often. I'm on a break from traveling for a while, and and we're going to record. A lot of different interviews and put together more podcasts than one a month. Our Yes, um, and
2: we appreciate We apologize for the haters. We literally have been driving, as you can hear from the podcast. Morris is on one side of the, of the coast. I'm on another side of the country. Andy's obviously on both sides of the country because he's that badass. But he, it takes two of us to equal one of him is what I'm saying, Morris. So that's how badass Andy is. So um, He is badass. Or as half badass as we are. One of the two. Either way, it's he's fantastic. And uh, we have it all over the place, and we'll be home for a little bit. Uh, so get some some good stuff coming. And please email us. Send us your feedback. We love, uh, obviously, topics you have in mind. Let us know what uh, what you like to hear and keep us uh, a beat of what's
0: going on on the street. So, All right, man. Talk to you, bud. We'll see you. Thanks, guys. best way you can support the show is to share this with your family friends and colleagues don't miss the opportunity to learn more about this podcast at letstalkhemp.com and if you enjoyed the show feel free to subscribe and leave us an itunes review thanks for listening see ya